Alan Weiss here with The Impossible Truth. This episode is about critics. We've all been exposed to critics, some good, some not so good. But you know, there are no statues in the parks to critics. The statues in the parks are to heroes, to creators, to artists. Now, we need critics to help us evaluate and assess things, especially in the arts. Critics can be useful, but the idea is to understand the critics' biases so that you can adjust them to your own preferences. I knew of one critic, for example, in a major newspaper, and if he hated something, I knew I would love it. And so I read his criticism very carefully, but the fact is not to agree with him, but to find out if he didn't like something, I knew I'd probably like it. Now, the current feeding frenzy right now, and I'm recording this in uh, late December, is about Cats, the new movie. Now, the play itself ran for 21 years in London and 18 years on Broadway, and then had an awful failed revival on Broadway. didn't work. But when it was originally opened in London and in New York, it was panned by the critics, but obviously loved by the crowds. I loved it. I heard Betty Buckley in the original in New York sing memories and say what you will. It was a treasured moment, and I had goosebumps. And Betty Buckley knew how to sing that anthem. Didn't overdo it, but really did it. Now, the movie uh, is being dumped on now as a competitive game. And the critical reviews are things like the worst thing that's happened to cats since dogs. Into the litter box. A parasite was eating my brain. This is what critics are writing. And they're competing with each other to dump on this movie version of cats. It's become about them, not so much the movie. Now, some of these bon mots are funny. You know, I heard a criticism once uh, about Macbeth, I think it was, and the critic said he played the king as if under the momentary apprehension someone else was about to play the ace. I thought that was pretty good. Oh, it was King Lear. That's what it was. Uh, I heard a a critique of a two-line poem, a two-line poem, and the critique was, it's nice, but there are dull stretches. Now, that's funny stuff, but piling on can become tedious. Uh, You know, it's like being a made man in the mafia, you know, or something. Uh, You aren't made unless you've dumped all over cats. And it's getting kind of boring because it's become derivative. Now, if you don't think it's easy to be a critic, attend a football game with 60,000 people in the stands. Everybody's a critic. They criticize the quarterback, the coaches, the defensive players, even the cheerleaders. I heard a guy in a bar once, (laughs) after Tom Brady won his sixth Super Bowl, Proclaimed that Brady was overrated. So Tom Brady wins a record sixth Super Bowl with the Patriots, and this guy says he's overrated. Apparently, he believes guzzling beer in a, in a bar is harder than being a quarterback winning six Super Bowls in the National Football League. Everybody's a critic. I love it when people give each other high fives because their team has scored. You aren't out there blocking and tackling. You are drinking beer. People are very critical of other drivers, right? They condemn the tailgater while they themselves are six feet behind the car in front of them. We condemn behaviors on the road that we engage in ourselves. And I admit this for myself. And it's not ironic. Well, it is ironic. It's not unusual. When you've critiqued some driving maneuver, you see, and then found yourself doing the exact same thing five minutes later. And suddenly you're rationalizing, well, in my case, it was forgivable. In my case, I had no choice. The arts, I think, as I said, are meant to be criticized. A performance invites some kind of assessment. A painting invites some kind of reaction. Now, I don't know what to make of a banana 
hung by tape on a canvas and sold for 120000 large, except that too many people obviously have too much money. That's ridiculous. You don't have to be an art critic to say that's ridiculous. A lot of people simply critique what they don't have and therefore rationalize not having it. I stopped at a coffee shop on Main Street here one winter day, and I left my Ferrari idling in front of the coffee shop. A guy coming out said, I guess you're probably afraid that you can't start it again, right? So you have to leave it on. I told him to get back to me when he had his own Ferrari. People often critique things that they're envious of or they can't own themselves. Oh, I'd never want to do that. Yogi Berra's famous phrase, nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded. If someone had a cosmic scorecard, I'm guessing it would show that upwards of 75% of all critique is negative. Something of that nature. We don't take the time to tell people how much we've admired something, but we love to explain how much we don't like it. You know, even the otherwise highly positive one would think standing ovation has had its meaning debased since every audience provides one every time these days. And that's not very critical. People are standing to justify the 400 bucks they paid for the theater seat or to overcome the fact they didn't understand the art and maybe they didn't get it and they want to pretend that they do. Or to ignore the fact that they saw something and just wasted three hours of their time. Happened to me up here at Trinity Theater the other day. An hour and a half of my life gone. So we want to show we're even better critics than the next guy. Sort of a tangential criticism of the other critics. They're not fighting tooth and claw to get in the worst and most quoted reviews of Cats. It's become a contest. They should be fighting to get in there, to show their bones, to show what they can do. But of course, the easier the contest, the less impressive the winners. It's easy to critique a bomb. Remember Heaven's Gate? It's easy to critique something that's awful. You shouldn't get plaudits for that. Some of us simply refuse to be critiqued. I won't read feedback sheets when I speak. I ignore the passive aggressive who says, I enjoy your columns, but often don't agree with you. Who cares? I shock them when I tell them I don't write for them. I write for me. I guess that's what's called decloying a critic. I'm back to cats. You know, we have our own critical voices, of course. We have the anthropomorphic guy on our shoulder telling us we should have done better, constantly critiquing us, causing us depression, causing us not to be at our best because we're afraid of the guy on our shoulder with all the baggage of our past whispering in our ear that we could have done better. Our worst critic is ourselves. Flick him off your shoulder with your finger and then step on him when he hits the floor until he's quiet. That's how you take care of a critic who overdoes it. And that is the uncomfortable truth.